0: Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup. This is episode 31 for the week ending Monday, November 16th. As always, we'll be rounding up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent – my name is Andy Lemasugu, and with me is my good friend and co-host on the show, Defo Mohapi, who, by the way, celebrated his birthday on the weekend. How'd it go, my guy? All good, man. All good. Good, good, good. Are we allowed to ask you how old you are? Hell no. <laughs> Your wife wouldn't like that, would she?
1: No, then that gives away her age.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and in the off chance, you're joining us for the very first time. Here's what you need to do. Head straight to africantechroundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing and While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter and get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday morning.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both networks is at African Roundup. And we're also on Facebook, like a billion other people. Check us out at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. If you're into behind-the-scenes stuff and candid commentary, etc., you'll probably enjoy hooking up with us on social.
0: That's right. And today, you are all in for a treat because... We have proper Kenyan royalty joining us on the show in the form of one of East Africa's leading movers and shakers in tech and digital. Introducing, ladies and gentlemen, mm, Mark Kaigua, who is easily one of Kenya's leading proponents of social media as well. As a respected innovator within digital tech in general, Mark, of course, is the founder and CEO of the Nairobi-based digital agency, Nendo Ventures. Well known for the Nendo social media trend report, many of us have come to rely on, and it's published
2: annually. Hello and welcome, Mark. Man, it's so good to be here. Um, I'm a big fan of the African Tech Roundup, big fan of both of you. So I love that you got together, did this. And let me tell you, man, execution is everything. You know, we had a podcast for a bit of time. It's on a hiatus now. So just so much respect for you, the whole crew. And I'm, I'm really excited to be seeing how you do it. I mean, I don't know if you, you want us to describe the room. But, but, yeah, man, you guys you guys grind. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm really, really happy to be here. You talk, you die, my guy. <laughs> Hey, I mean to everybody we're in a cushy uh seventeenth floor Santon air conditioned uh all glass window uh, uh loft duplex.
0: Tell them I'm in a suit, Brady. <laughs>
2: And and I, I should say these, these these gentlemen clean up nice, they've got faces for radio that's why you're listening to this podcast, but hey, what can I say they, they they dress good and they sound better, so yeah, but you know that already okay now the
0: the lies can absolutely stop you're killing you're killing Tefo here
1: i am I'm impressed i'm happy
0: good market. we should hire him. Definitely, there's there's something to his, his skills, I think, you know? So anyway, listen, in today's discussion segment, we'll be finding out what brings uh, Mark to our neck of the woods and have him unpack what stood out for him throughout the week he's been here. And of course, um, we'll, we'll get real up close and personal, I'll make sure he doesn't leave anything out. Also in this show, we'll get Mark to factor in on the week's news, and there's plenty to get to. But first, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by the inaugural annual Tech Roundup, happening in Johannesburg on the morning of Thursday, November 26th. We've been threatening for some weeks now, but the plan's finally coming together. You can join Defo and I, along with many other leading personalities from Africa's tech scene, for a laid-back breakfast event at the Wondrous Club conference venue from 8:30 a.m. to 12 noon. The event will feature two keynote speakers and three 40-minute interactive panel discussions that will look back on the year's digital tech and innovation highlights in terms of startups, enterprise, and gadgets and apps. Confirmed speakers and panelists at the event include Dominique Collet, who's the co-founder of Time, and executive and VC at RMI Holdings, Brandon Boyle, co-founder and CEO of Convergence Partners, head of communications at Google, Mitch Atagana, and tech writer, trends analyst and broadcaster, Craig Wilson. Basically, this is not a gig to miss. Seats are extremely limited, so to book yours right now, head to africantechroundup.com forward slash annual. That's africantechroundup.com forward slash annual, and see you there.
1: In place of this week's listener comment, here's a snippet from a recent conversation Andila had with Butley's Africa's Group Chief Information Officer, Ashley Vizi. In the upcoming clip, Ashley shares some of his predictions around the global trends he expects will impact Africa's burgeoning fintech scene.
3: So I think um, some of the traditional models that you're seeing with European-US dominance, I think they'll, they'll fade. The rise of, of the East... And the manufacturers there, Um, I think the potential we have in Africa to to lead in innovation is right up there. Um, You know, just out of again, as I said earlier, pure pure needs. How do you make payments? How do you do things at great speed and with uh, automated thinking? So AI, big data analytics. Um, How do you utilise technologies such as blockchain, which have the potential to completely disrupt banks? How do we leverage and harness that to help our customers? And I think this is this is the region where we'll see a lot of uh, new growth and new ideas arising.
1: Be sure to listen to Andila's conversation with Ashley Vizi in its entirety at conversations.africantechroundup.com. That's conversations.africantechroundup.com. Otherwise, don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show by having us include your audio comment... On any of the topics we've covered on the show, you can email us using hello at africantechroundup.com or leave us a note on our website.
0: And now on to this week's news. Now we start with a useful development by hotel booking platform uh, Jovago, Nigerian-based, of course. Uh, Following the introduction of Igbo, Yoruba, and Hausa translations in September, Jovago has incorporated Kiswahili to its website and plans to add Amarik soon to benefit Africa's second most populous country, Ethiopia. Now, we have a Kenyan native here amongst us. How excited do you think Kenya is going to be uh, or respond? How well will Kenya, do you think, respond to this innovation?
2: Well, I think it's actually something that's even bigger than Kenya because, to be honest, as much as, as we speak Swahili, it's one of the national languages second to English, in Tanzania, it's the other way around. So it's Swahili first and Swahili on everything. So for me, I'm, I'm more excited for them. I'm more excited for the promise that, that comes with it. As far as Jovago getting a leg up or heads up into the market, there's not a lot of people who will necessarily go full translation um, like they have. So this is a plus. On top of that, I mean, just at a numbers level, it makes sense. There's 200 million Swahili speakers in the region. So, you know, you're counting places like Congo, you're counting Rwanda, you're counting Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. So when you, when you add the numbers up, it's a, you're, you're widening the addressable audience. And just to give a bit of context, there was a fantastic article. It was based off of a master's thesis that I contributed to a couple of years ago. And it was off of my study of one of Africa's first viral sensations, Mark Mende, in 2010. And one of the things that 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 uh, this this lady who was doing the research got to follow. Uh, It was kind of the breadcrumbs she followed through was what she called the missing Wikipedians. That's actually what you should Google to go look up the research. And you'll find that there's just not as many articles or engagement around Swahili content on Wikipedia. And that itself is emblematic or symbolizes a challenge we're having around just sustaining the amount of content for that language. Now, that was 2010, 2011. So things have definitely changed. But just adding a bit of historical context to know why this is an actual significant thing. You know, last week we talked about how many uh, people who are coming online onto the
0: internet for the first time are doing so in their own languages, it, which is insane, right? W- would we unheard of in, say, two, 2000, 2001?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, as Mark is saying, this is a very important thing just beyond Kenya because in Tanzania, Kis- Kiswahili is a first language. But I also think this is a good step by Jovago in terms of setting a precedence for other internet companies to take pride in using African languages.
0: Absolutely. Well done, Joe Vargo. Well, up next, I'm not sure what to make of Airtel's 10 million uh, Kenyan shilling donation towards the Pope's upcoming visit to Kenya between the 25th and the 27th of November 2015. That comes to nearly 10,000 US dollars, I believe. Um, is this savvy business or sleazy opportunism?
2: Wow. You know, a leading question. Uh, le- uh, Your Honor, leading the witness. <laughs> Indeed. Guilty as charged. Uh, so, so, I... I I think that that Airtel has, at a leadership level, at a at a doing and not just talking level, has made themselves. I uh, mean, you know, they've made themselves a lot more open as a potential sponsorship partner. So Safaricom has their focus for the Kenyan market right now. They focus a lot on youth, but in addition to that, they've been thinking hard around cracking um of course the existing base of people they have and of course M-Pesa is one of the the, the, the barriers to entry and nobody wants to lose M-Pesa even though they might try mobile number portability now with Airtel you know I'll, I'll give credit where it's due I've seen them make some some commitments around sponsorships including things like the Sondeca Festival which is a, a big festival around creativity and the arts and and um and and that you know they they got behind that hard so I I was encouraged by that because you know Safaricom do a lot of events they bring in artists they um you know at, at a high level they're doing things like jazz at a more approachable grassroots level they they literally take the top artists in the country have them tour so in in essence they they've they've created one of the most consistent. Uh, concert series in the country. It's called Safaricom Live. So they've they've cornered two different ends, right? High end affluential, lower middle class and, and upper lower class if you if if you would be so inclined. And so with that, they haven't left really Airtel a lot of room. But Airtel, hey, they're not sleeping. And I think that there's more to this sponsorship than meets the eye. What if I was just to just guess, I mean They're trying not to be a dumb pipe, right? So they're trying not to just have folks just tweet, just share updates. What they're trying to do is actually say, hey, why don't you use our platform? We know you're going to share content. You know you want to connect with other Catholics. Why don't we both give in cash and in kind, probably in in a set of services, microsites, et cetera. So, hey, you know, you can't, you you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. But at the same time, I I, I think... um, you know, Kudos to them because if, you, know, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be millions of, of pictures, etc. If these guys can get a slice of the action there and they have a compelling proposition around data, they may actually end up making a strong impression on folks.
0: 14 million Catholics may just take Airtel to church with them.
2: <laughs> it may, but question for Mark. Come,
1: Mark, let's break this down. Will people really use it?
0: because let's see. i mean let's see it uh, turns out um, there's a catholic portal that will enable the four 14 million odd catholics in kenya to access religious information at all times on their phone while the pope is present and of course they're hoping some of these people will subscribe and and, and eventually cha is this guy oh my word we're being interrupted oh oh my word teve kalafeng just walked in the room
4: oh, look at cousin to oh. from which subject? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, a man who needs no introduction here on this continent of Africa, TV kind of thing,
4: just walked in on our podcast. It's just such, such an honor to, to have you here. How are you doing, man? I'm very good. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you for hijacking me. It's <laughs> 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 proper. This is proper. And you're obviously here for the conference as well? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, we're discussing um, how Africans can shape the African narrative. So that's a subject that's very close to my heart. And that's why I'm here.
0: You know, um, I, I worked with the man who kind of got the high profile nature of the, th- the work you do started many years ago with Nike. I think we know who we're talking about, right? Well, you talk about Ndabanzele. Absolutely. So I got to talk to you. He had nothing but awesome things to say about you. When you think of how far you came and bringing the Nike brand to Africa in such a big way, and now sort of handling more important brands like Brand Africa and, and country, what comes to mind when you think of your journey from Nike to managing, say, Brand Ghana? Or You know, something crazy like that.
4: Well, I mean, uh, uh, everything that we do as individuals uh, contributes to the greater brand, Africa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so along the ways, whether I was building uh, Colgate, Palmolive uh, in New York or in South Africa, uh, whether working for Sun International, whether working for Nike, all those are contributing to the country brand and collectively to the continental brand. And that's why, you know, I love how SAB describes themselves. So I hope they don't get sold to, to InBev, by the way. Uh, because, you know, they always say uh, on their p- advertising, it is the SA that makes us who we are. So it is our roots, which give us our identity. So working with individual brands along the way and ultimately different countries, I just figured it, it's probably time to try and bring it all together. So it's really part of a journey, um, more than a different step in direction.
0: So the man brings his roots to the board table, man. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Clearly he does. And you know what? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the man is unscripted. He just walked in and just dropped some wisdom on us. Listen, you're on... Easily the biggest tech podcast across Africa. You've got a new breed of Africans listening to you right now. What do you have to say to uh, people young and old who are crazy about this continent, crazy about taking it where it should be at the forefront of innovation and digital excellence? What do you have to say to people like that who are listening to us right now?
4: Well, I'm saying that they must remember that they are the c- they are the future because 70% of the continent is under the age of 30. Uh, so that means that the people we're talking to are the people who are going to run the continent uh, in the next few years. So the thing we have to, have to remember is that our continent has got a future. Everybody else has got a past, and we have to take control of that future today. Boom.
0: Pow. <laughs> take that, Africa.
4: Drops take that. Drops
0: mic and walks away.
1: <laughs> Moonwalks away. walks
0: away. That's something like that, man. Man, that's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> so now I don't even know where we are, what story we were on. Tebe Kalafeng just walked in here, and he found us in the middle of an interview. He has since walked out with our guests because they have to catch up real quick. We're going to pick up where we left off. I think we we're talking about Kenya and Airtel's uh, uh, attempt to sort of, I think, target niches, fair to say. I think they're targeting very specialized niches. People might feel that it's a little distasteful, perhaps, to to take the religious route, a bunch of people. However, to the point that Mark made earlier, you know, Safaricom seems to be cleaning up, not leaving them a lot of room to wiggle. That said, they seem to be offering a decent value proposition for people while the Pope is here and adding value in that respect. And if they they get paid while they do it, I suppose that's a good thing, right?
1: Yeah, definitely it is a good thing to add to what mark has said earlier about them going for the market of catholics i think kenya is quite a religious r- country relatively and the catholic church is one of the largest in the country so they, they they're definitely going for a niche if you'd like to say in the lean startup method so going for a very targeted niche of, of users and hoping that after the whole hype as mark alluded of the pope's visit some of them will stick as customers
0: well, let's just hope if people do subscribe for the service that they're, they're offering for something like a- anything from uh, 5 Kenyan shillings to 25 Kenyan shillings for a weekly subscription uh, or 70 Kenyan shillings for a monthly subscription. Let's just hope if people buy into this, they just don't stop going to church because they're getting all the church they need on the phone. <laughs> oh,
1: definitely.
0: <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, th- like we're buzzed guys, we really are buzzed Because <laughs> we're talking to you right now But there's so unexpected uh, Def was on Twitter like real right now And yeah, it was so much fun We're bumping into people we haven't seen in ages It really is exciting But moving right along uh, to Nigeria now Where the National Assembly there has passed a resolution To quote, create significant barriers To the misuse of mobile networks and services Phones and other devices used For the perpetuation of immoral contents Yeah, ne. Where have we heard this story before? I think it was sometime in good luck Jonathan's reign. And I think
1: here as well in South Africa. Remember the FPB, the Film and Publications Board?
0: Exactly. What is with African countries and trying to regulate the internet or, the so, or social media? Well, firstly, just the thought that you think you can, I think, says something about your, your failure to understand where the world is going in terms of tech. Uh, secondly, why would you do that? Doesn't it speak against the very fundamentals, uh, constitutional fundamentals, many governments on the continent w- should be trying to live to or uh, at least promote?
1: It's a worrying trend across the continent. I've noted it. I mean, in Kenya, there's been a lot of uh, arrests around journalists who are outspoken. And also now Nigeria, with this uh, law or suggested law by the National Assembly, saying that they want to regulate content that is against the moral and religious norms of nigerians which are those which religion which morals whose ones dominate who's the custodian of these things and more importantly from a tech point of view how are you really like we asked of the and publications board how are you really going to regulate this which tools are you going to to put in place and I, I note with interest that they ask telecommunication service providers in nigeria to either develop or procure solutions to manage or filter this
0: I think it's pretty ironic that they, <laughs> they hit Twitter with this suggestion. <laughs> so they go to the very networks that they want to they want gag, um, and, and they basically announce to everybody, hey, we want to gag, y'all. And surprise, surprise, people hated the idea. They pull the tweet. But ladies and gentlemen, you cannot untweet a tweet.
1: <laughs> no, you can't. You can't delete, but it's, I, I just don't get it. Somebody needs to explain to me what it is with these old-timers who run African governments and wanting to regulate what everybody does. It extends beyond the Internet. It goes into how people should behave or what people should say, etc. It just baffles the mind.
0: And look, we're decent people, many of us. And I, for, for, for one, am not a fan of things like pornography, for example. Um, however, that preference and that leaning can't be used to compromise um, or impede on the rights of other people. So I don't know what you're going to do about that, Nigeria, but uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. But staying with Nigeria, following the drama involving the Nigerian Communications Commission's $5.2 billion dollar fine uh, on MTN, the MTN group CEO, uh, or should I say ex-CEO at this point, Sviso uh, Dabengwa has resigned. And um, the company has since been at pains to say that this is by no means an admission of guilt. Interesting, right?
1: Remember the fine for the SIM card violation was given to MTN Nigeria. So the MTN structure for listeners who who are not familiar is that in each country they have a corporation or a business registered in that country. And that business or that organization or that company has its own management structure, including a CEO, including other replicated structures like, specific for this case, compliance and regulation. So there's a gentleman who is the head of... Compliance and regulation for MTN Nigeria.
0: He's still around, uh, but Sifiso's gone.
1: And his CEO, MTN Nigeria CEO, is still around, but Sifiso Tabengo is gone. So I'm trying to scratch my head and understand why fire the guy right at the top and not the local guys first.
0: Um, I think. Given the size of the potential damage to the bottom line this thing did, there's no way that the very, very top person or the person in charge can't be held responsible. This is a massive chunk of uh, MTN's potential revenue. A decent percentage of what would, if it's paid out, make up a part of uh, Nigeria's Uh, income for the year, uh, at least contribute to GDP in a crazy sort of way. I think on some level it was an error, an embarrassment that had to filter to the top no matter what.
1: You know quite correctly, I mean the size of the fine 5.2 billion, it's something that somewhere in the risk reporting of MTN group should have been picked up. What I mean by that is that they should have picked up that if we violate this regulation, the potential risk would be that 5.2 billion fine, given that it would be 5 million uh, pre registered some cards that would be in violation.
0: In which case, it is an executive oversight?
1: Yes, right up to the top, given that amount, because I think that 5.2 billion is like 30% or even half their their revenues
0: all the best with him. Whatever he decides to do, I have a feeling whoever gets to snap him up will definitely snap up a great deal of experience. (laughs) A a lot more now, especially uh, given what's just happened to him, but I have no doubt we'll be hearing a lot more from him still, given his career is is no doubt a long way from over. Now, we stay with South Africa for our final story, where Uber has struck a deal with one of South Africa's largest, if not the largest, actually, uh, one of South Africa's largest vehicle finance firms, West Bank. Um, They are now offering existing driver Partners access to a specially designed full maintenance lease program that gives them access to a vehicle at preferential rates. This is clever, me thinks.
1: Clever. One, trying to lock the drivers in, because you can imagine if you've got a debt that's attached to Uber, although it's via West Bank but you now attach to Uber for a couple of years. And the more important to note why I say tied into Uber is because your credit rating as a driver once you get into this system is that it's tied not to the normal credit reporting, but to how you perform within this ecosystem of Uber and West Bank.
0: So now you've got West Bank using Uber as a pre-vetting process. Not only that, they are betting on what's clearly a very strong horse. They're betting that if Uber does half as well as we all think they will, they're going to be part of the action.
1: You nailed it. Karl Marx would typically say, who has the means of production? And us as the people now in new societies, we believe that we own things. So we'd say as people, we do, we've got the means to production. Then you have Silicon Valley that will say to you, in this case, like Uber will say that, well, we don't own the equipment or we don't own the cars, but we can rent it out to you. But like West Bank, The bankers sit in the background and just laugh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All the way to the bank. Uh, Excuse the pun. Well, look, to qualify for the lease, though, uh, Uber drivers have to have been registered on the service for at least three months. They must have completed at least 1,000 trips and have had uh, a rating of 4.7 or more. It's no uh, easy feat to qualify. That said, kudos to both West Bank and Uber for striking this deal. Uber's been very busy speaking to the likes of Hertz, Europe Car, Pace, and Fleet Data Technologies, who... Uh, together with Uber, have launched a short-term rental program, which also gives drivers of meter taxis and other passenger transport vehicles the option of renting an accepted vehicle that meets Uber standards at improved rates. Basically, again, everything to your point. uh, Leveraging left, leveraging right, making money all the way to the bank. (laughs) With minimal risk. Hardly any risk whatsoever, except for the poor guy who's going to need to drive a car and (laughs) and maybe lose his house if if he doesn't make money on the deal. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, back in the building, Mark Kayegua. Mark Kayegua has just stepped out to to have a chat with
2: uh, with Tembe Kalafeng. We're still buzzing, by the way. I, I, I had told him that I was here. We've been we've been trying to meet up in Nairobi. Actually, we've been trying to meet up for years, and then. I s- I I told him I'm gonna be at um at, at uh, AMLF and he's like I'm gonna be there too. And the second we saw each other, you should have seen. It was like across the room, <laughs> slow motion, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I'm such a big fan of his, and there's uh, yeah, it's like a mutual appreciation society going on with him. So he's actually coming up to Nairobi on Monday, and we've just firmed up what we're gonna be doing when he comes into town.
0: And how crazy was it? At some point in this room, it was it was pretty international, well at least from a Pan-African sense. We had a Zimbabwean, we had a, a South African, but really from Lesotho initially. We have a Kenyan, we had a South African, South African, we had Teve. And now, also walked into the room, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> drum roll, oh my word, Cameroon in the building! <laughs> we have Rebecca Enonchong, ladies and gentlemen, joining this conversation. What a treat we're having today.
3: Excellent. I'm so glad to be here. And you know, you're talking about different people from different countries being in the building. Guys, the techies are in the building.
2: What about that mic drop right now? Yes, Yes, drops mic, walks away. Second second time this episode. Are you listening? I mean, yeah, this is a crazy episode, man. This is insane, man.
3: Because, you know, uh, this is traditional media. These are media owners. Mm -hmm. We're like the enemy, right? Because social media is the enemy. But we're invited I'm actually on the board of AMI, so I'm like, you know. so this is this is really amazing that we're actually present, that we're part of the conversation, that we're actually the focus of conversation. All of the sessions here today have talked about tech and the challenge of tech and how to monetize the technology, but we're here, guys. You know, a few years ago, they didn't even think of us.
0: Right? I have said that to someone else as well. It's it's crazy what it would have taken someone in tech to be offered a seat at a strategy table, say, in 2000 or 95 or whatever. Today, it's like, what are you thinking if you don't have someone really smart, really on the ball, advising you what you should do for these times?
3: It really demonstrates the importance that technology has taken. We're here in media, but, you know, we in agriculture and all sectors of society, technology has become key. And so the geeks are in the house. <laughs> the
0: geeks are boss, baby. And, and Rebecca and Mark just walked in, like, on cue, nearly, uh, because it's, it's time for our discussion segment. And what we were going to do is actually just speak to you about the week you've had. We hadn't actually told our listeners what it is you're here to do, what you're doing in our neck of the woods, what you're learning. We've gotten some insight based on what you're saying. But what are
1: you guys here to do? But I wanted to ask Rebecca just one thing, if, she, if she's willing to oblige us, on MTN Nigeria. Your thoughts? Oh, very direct question. Do you think they'll pay today?
3: Um, I don't. I don't think they're going to pay today, but I think they will pay. Um, I'm not sure that they'll pay the full amount, but they will have to pay, dearly. Uh,
0: uh, Rebecca took her glasses off to answer that question <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> because I can't. I can't think with my glasses on. You know, I have to take them off to really think about what I'm going to say. But the the, the fact is, is that I I actually. I think that the MTN, the fine, is valid. I think that it sends a message to everyone that you have to level the playing field. And when you're leveling the playing field, it means everybody has to follow the rules. It's just that MTN, not only in Nigeria, but in many countries in which they do business, has never had to play by the rules. And this is a reminder that in Nigeria, it's not business as usual. And maybe other investors will be awakened to the the, the concept that, hey, wait a minute, there are rules that we have to adhere to. And other investors, I think, will appreciate the fact that, you know, the the, 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 the this is what they said the rules were back in 2011. And my goodness, they've enforced their own rules. And that's good for all of us.
0: Wow, and look, uh, Defo brought up before you guys walked in the fact that um, the MTN Group CEO has walked away. Tabengua. Uh, interesting that uh, it, I don't know what you w- I don't know what you take from that. Is that um, leadership taking responsibility? Is that, um, is that an admission of guilt, perhaps? Or given how the heads of the, the CEO of the Nigeria business and the person responsible for regulation in the first place of that business are still in place, what do you think it says?
3: It, it just tells me that they needed a fall guy because really the person that built that culture is now, I- over 10 years, that built the culture of MTN not obeying anybody's rules is now the current CEO. Um, uh, so for 10 years, Leco was... CEO and created that culture that is now, um, you know, so yeah, Sufiso takes the fall, but um, really, the, the, those who are really responsible for this are, are still out there.
0: Do you think other African nations, do you think Kenya, for example, is going to look at this and go, flip, we can do this. We can flex too, man. Do you think the boardrooms of, uh, say, Safaricom and, and Airtel are, are are calling meetings and say, boys, we're not going to be caught out like this, man.
2: I doubt it. Um, I'll be honest. I doubt it. I think. Uh, I think. Look, man. I've I've heard it put a lot of different ways. I think Kenya, of course, is a is a is a distinct case. is a distinct market, and because of that, I mean, Safaricom has a, I mean, still has a percentage of that 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 company that we're not entirely sure who owns it. We just know it has a government affiliation. Now, whether they've you know sold their that that stake on the um, you know in the, in the public markets or not that as a history and the, the government connections therein also mean that you know some people have um, you know they've been frowned upon for even suggesting this but they've said well what advantage does that provide as far as M-Pesa? what advantages does that provide as far as you know a deregulated environment that allowed this to get somewhere I've heard it put this way by the former permanent secretary for the ministry of information and communication the, the honorable dr ndemo that and this was during pivot pivot east i believe it was 2012 or 2013 where he said that 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 they had to let innovation uh, not be hindered by regulation and he was speaking kind of in in hindsight right of of how the approach that they took from an almost governmental level why you know and and that sounds great until you also hear there was an actual interest, which leaves you with some questions. But all in all, look, nobody's going nobody's gonna to go to the past and rewrite it. So I think it's a lesson learned, but I'm not seeing the, the communications authority necessarily slapping anybody on the wrist just yet. Now, I can't speak categorically on that, but just from where I'm sitting, look, they, there's there's a lot of other battles that they're trying to fight in terms of competitiveness and the market and Safaricom's tactics. and And so because those remain unresolved... I'm not I'm not exactly seeing anybody shivering in their boots because of something happening in Nigeria. If anything, Kenyans and 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 this is a a, a gripe I have especially with with the ones who sit in um I'm not going to call it an ivory tower, but we can be navel-gazing a bit because, hey, we're the star of the show, we're the golden child, ours, and pesos hours. And, I mean, just in the tech circles in, in general, there's a moment of reckoning right now, just that, hey, look, no liquidity events, and let me tell you, the truth is going, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right, that that what's happening to the people who are um, who are applying for funding, or more importantly, we had a great discussion with Rebecca about this at, at lunch yesterday, Around just the 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 mindset that there is a surplus or there is a reasonable amount of grant, uh, grant like funding, and so because of that, people have that as a mindset, and that doesn't exactly sit very well with somebody who hopped off of a plane has an open checkbook. I've heard this story more than twice. You know, I have a checkbook. I will write a check right now. You know, uh, I could I could write anywhere between ten to fifty k. And that person might not actually sign a single checklip off of, their, off of that, that, that checkbook. And look, there's probably a lot of other factors with that. But it's something which does make me question the Silicon Savannah title and whether we are the true owners of that. I don't want to get hit on Twitter, so I'll stop there. But, like, that's, <laughs> but that's, just, that's just me just, just saying that like, it's a moment of reckoning right now. Just look at last, let's call it 18 to 24 months, look at liquidity events. So acquisitions. Uh, even if you want, you could say mergers and, and exits of, of any shape or kind. Of course, nobody's listing or going public just yet. And then valuations even. And just draw up lists. Put Nigeria there, put Egypt there, put South Africa there, put Kenya there. And stand back and watch the list. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to look like, but I, I can tell you, hopefully, in my voice is showing I hey let's let's see how kenya stands right nice. and in the and in the scheme of all that you you look at a really well a really
0: good performer like a safaricom very well organized obviously big money behind it they're not in a position well little guys little people and say oh the government aren't really in a position to to demand things of them because of the value they're adding to this ecosystem given what you've just said
2: I don't know if I, I I'm gonna disagree with you on that one, but I I just wouldn't see them on the list, right? I just I think for me when I'm looking at a list like that, I'm more focused on on just what does that say to us about what we've been doing versus what we've been claiming and talking up. But but end of the day, I'm 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 exhilarated. I'm passionate. I'm certainly not uh, not 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 uh, not blind to what our our own faults or criticism areas could be. But I mean, I'm you know I'm Kenyan through and through. That's not going to change. It's just that let's let's uh, let's put our noses to the grindstone and let's and let's let's play this game a lot longer than we seem to be playing it now. How's news like this received in Cameroon? Say, is it a non-event in a place like Cameroon?
3: Um, well, actually, it it is kind of a non-event because we we uh, in Cameroon we operate on a whole different sphere. Um, we have a president that's been there 33 years, and nothing changes, and so. The fact that MTN was fined $5 billion in Nigeria, MTN Cameroon can function as it always has because it's, it's, you know, I I, I think that, you know, I think the the only change we might see will come from MTN itself. In other words, as its corporate culture will have to change, um, I think that will be reflected in their operations in all countries. And that's how they'll change their behavior in Cameroon, not because n- any regulatory body will bother them. Although the fear is that um, new regulatory bodies in, in, in Africa, across the continent, will see this fine and say, hmm, and create fake regulations in order to force these huge fines. Um, you know, a, a, And so that is a fear. And that's something very typical that, that Cameroon would do But just to get bribe money, you know, it's not they won't really make them pay the fine. All they have to do is give them a few, as they say, brown envelopes and it'll they will go away. But, you know, I think one of the things about our business environment is that they will create these huge tax uh, fees or or huge costs and then, you know, come see you and talk to you to make them go away. Um, And that's the fear. And I'm afraid that that could happen in several African countries.
0: To your point, some allegations have already surfaced in Nigeria um, because, again, MTN – uh, g- being in trouble in the same month, pretty much as Standard Bank, the two largest South African companies in south africa in, in Nigeria, of course standard bank in trouble for a whole host of other reasons, but people suggesting that perhaps this is a milking exercise um, on the part of government in Nigeria in a year where the oil prices take is tanked and, and you know and the government 's under pressure to 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 create revenue and also shows signs of firmness and a, and a move towards you know uh, reform and that kind of thing. And so the biggest boys are being ti- tithed, as it were. <laughs>
3: well, I, 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 d- I, d- I would disagree because yeah. there is a huge other change. There was an election this year. There's a new president. There's a new government, a new very, very new government. And it's not business as usual. And this is not a new fine. In other words, MTN signed an agreement in 2011 stating that for every unregistered user, the subscriber, they would pay over $1,000. They signed. This is a contract. All the government is doing now is enforcing a contract. Now, I don't see that as gouging. And I think that, that the, 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 the problem is that in Nigeria, people that have been doing business in Nigeria are so accustomed to anything goes. That all of a sudden, there's a new government, and all of a sudden, they want to enforce rules, and it becomes a problem. You know, I think that if you're a good investor, if you're Stanbik, if you're MTN, or any other South African investor, you should applaud the government's move, because you're you're, you're saying, okay, now we know what the rules are. It's not quicksand, because for many years, doing business in Nigeria has really been doing business quicksand. Things change every day. Rules change every day. And don't forget that that M10 has competitors, and those competitors were also fined, although their their um, abuse wasn't as egregious, and so they didn't have to pay as much. But imagine if you are in a competitive environment. Three guys follow the rules, pretty much. One guy just goes over, I mean, like completely. Is that a fair business environment? Would you want to do business in that environment? No. So um, I think South African companies have um, seen Nigeria as a market um, and as a way to make a lot of money, but not as an investment. When you invest, you want to go follow the rules. And, you know, I know a lot of Nigerians and the the behavior of South Africans when they come to Nigeria is not one of partnership not one of I am investing, let's do business together. It's I am doing business in your country the way I feel like doing business in your country. I don't care what your roles are. I'm bigger. It's my money, and not always the case, but um, and I will do things as I wish. And those days... I think this signals that those days are over, but I think any proper investor, anybody that really wants to do business in Nigeria, this is a very good signal for them, and I think uh, South African companies will be as welcome as any other companies. Some like uh, d- Shell was fined several billion dollars for, for the oil spill several years ago. Um, there are other fines that are very large fines. You just you know sometimes people make you follow the rules, and this is just that i, I, I you know, hey, South Africans invest in Cameroon if you want to <laughs> um, but but yeah it's, it's, it's just it, it just fell at a bad time, and it also fell when um, there was that whole article uh, th- 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 that whole study that was actually started by and g I think here about how Nigeria funnels its money to for tax yes. avoidance. Not tax evasion, because that's... E- you e- mean e-
0: South African companies yeah. funneling their cash out of... S-
3: MTN, specifically. Okay. Um, there was a whole study on how they've they've created their operas- operations in Mauritius and Dubai to avoid having to pay local taxes and South African taxes. And so there's all sorts of mechanisms they've used, and there was a whole investigative piece um, that put this to light. And um, this was about a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, a month ago. And just a couple days before the fine announcement, one Nigerian newspaper had taken that study and that investigation further to show how MTN Nigeria had used manners to avoid paying taxes in Nigeria. And so... It's not the kind of investor that you want. And, you know, the whole fear of, oh, Nigeria, you know, MTN could lose, lose the investment. Are you kidding? Lose the jobs. Are you kidding? If MTN were replaced tomorrow by Airtel, do you think Nigeria would lose a job? Yeah, so I think, I think, you know, that, that stop, you should stop blackmailing uh, and stop saying, oh, we're going to pull out. We're going to do this. We don't care. You know, because somebody else will come in and make more money and that person w- will feel more comfortable knowing that it's, it's a very, it's a more, it's a more even, it's a more fair business environment to do business in. And
0: the amens going around the building, the men in the corner going, yes, Amen. yes, sister, preach it.
1: <laughs> no, definitely. Like, I mean, I think we've delved into this quite, quite a bit. And as I said, this was a total disregard of Nigerian rules and regulations by MTN going right up to the top. And it stops now,
0: basically.
3: Well, uh, for now. <laughs> well. <laughs> do you know, do you know. That's the thing about in Africa. It's like th- what. That's the one thing. It's like when we get new presidents in countries, we're always excited yeah. because things change, and they always want to show right away that they're different. And so let's take advantage of that. Um, but it may not last. <laughs> so um, we're just hopeful. See in Cameroon, we don't get that. We, we've had the same. This change
0: thing doesn't happen very often.
3: No we've had t- we've had two presidents ever, and the current was prime minister under the previous, so we've really had one government ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, so we don't get that change thing where somebody wants to prove anything, so yeah, so we appreciate watching it um, in other places.
0: Well, fantastic. You know what? It's interesting. We uh, we thought we'd discuss what you guys are here to do. This was so much more fun.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there's lots of discussion on Twitter about what happened here at AMLF. So the African Media Leaders Forum, which is organized by the African Media Initiative, um, which is an organization to promote um, uh, African content African media um, support African media and African media as a business um, and yeah so I'm here I'm on the board of AMI as I said earlier I don't know how this (laughs) is this is this is you know I'm like I sit there with the big guys man and I'm like you're press and I'm tech
0: so okay so now back really quickly to what it is you guys are doing in our neck of the woods you're in Johannesburg you've been here for nearly a week you are not what we see out there, which is a ton of suits, um, some serious, <laughs> some serious business, folks. Not that you guys look any less suited, <laughs> but certainly we can. T- there's a certain type out there which you're not, and and Rebecca's made uh, has alluded to that. What are you guys doing here? Wh- what's the conference about,
2: and 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 why are you here? Sure. So I, I reached out to AMI. I've I've known the organization, so they organize each year the Africa Media Leaders Forum. Or AMLF and this year for the first time it's being held in South Africa I think and for the first time it's in the southern hemisphere of Africa too so that's that's a big deal and and I had reached out to, to Eric I've known the previous CEO and, and Eric as well and when I visited the their office we talked a lot about social media and what we were seeing. And the, and the reasons why we believe African social media is different—it's it's better, it's quirky, it's peculiar, it's inquisitive, it's contradictory. I mean, one of the examples—I had so much material for my panel, and I and I never got to share almost any of it because it was about the panelists, and I'm the moderator. If I was a speaker, it'd be different. Now, one of the things that 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 really fascinated me the other day. Now, Kenyans have a track record for being, arguably, the most combative digital citizenries in on the continent. And and you know, so you you just introduced me and we talked about tech and media. So here's here's a very crazy microcosm of an example so bloggers in kenya guys are trying to get page views hits likes shares and they'll do it at any cost so it's the wild west and we're publishing a trend report next year as you know and, and you rightly introduce our trend report is amongst africa's most downloaded publicized also because it's just a death of of, uh, of con of content so when we come out with ours well, it's not standing up against much. So we, we you know we, we, we kinda rise to the top real quick and, and, and thank goodness that that uh, the journalists love when you do the work for them in many ways and package it in a way that they can they can just basically Oh wait, wait a you wrote you didn't just write me a press list, you wrote me a, a guest blog and you have this and you have videos and you have audio of you kind of quoted that I can cut in. Ah, dude,
0: this is too easy. We can attest to this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so 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 we so we love that. And and next year, one of the things we're pushing is what we're calling spinfluencers, right? These hired hitmen of the internet who, for political reasons, next year is uh, uh, a pre-election year. Or even just for the likes, for the hits, they'll do anything, including misleading people. Case in point, in Kenya, a blog called The Spectator, right? Sounds like a reasonable uh, uh, and and distinguished uh, publication. Well, guess what? They published a story. And they talk about President Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. At a, a commencement or some kind of institution of higher learning, and he presents what are some very clear and categorical remarks about Kenyans. And so, what he says is, Well, well don't be like Kenyans because Kenyans are thieves. In fact, they are plundering their own economy, they are self saboteurs. They are, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, they're, they, they, they're so bad. I, I tell you. So he, he, this is the, the, the one of the phrases that, that made the rounds. They even have a Bachelor of Stealing at their universities because they are that bad and they've studied and then nobody knows it better than them. Don't become them. Very well written, you know, journalistically written, right? So this article, first of all, a screenshot, it hits WhatsApp. And that's part of what brought me here is just being able to come in and say to people that WhatsApp is the continent's de facto largest, quote unquote, social network? Now it's an instant messaging platform, but don't get me wrong. The address book is the original social network, right? You get on Facebook and it says, "Hey, sh- let us into your email so we can find friends." No, no, I've had friends. I've just had them on my phone and I've saved them under all these different names. It's, it's like the cool. new Rolodex. Exactly, exactly. And so that's that's huge. And I've, you know, my grandmother's on WhatsApp, and yet she's not on Facebook anywhere else. She sends, you know, my wife and I like like all these like little. <laughs> i 'm wondering where are you getting content from you know you 're <laughs> seventy something years old. God bless her um, and and so and so what 's to me is huge and, and we spent a lot of time studying that and even led to um, and our company value that you know a pretty they 're not doing too badly uh, they called on gear and and you know after they read our report, we met up, we laid out kind of our, our blueprint for what we thought could happen. They built on it and credit to them. Uh, and, you know, have been happy to send them clients as well over time. They've now built an actual tech startup that's actually the, the front end or the management side of WhatsApp. Now, to get back to the story of, of Zimbabwe, the spectator screenshots, they first go on WhatsApp, which to me is the biggest place. And they do the rounds and people are riled up and they're abusing Robert Mugabe and they're abusing uh, Zimbabweans and saying, how dare they and how dare he? And then it goes on Twitter, of course, because dark socials, and this has been proven, um, starts on WhatsApp and then moves to Twitter. Now, Twitter, people put aside that, you know, me and Andile will have been fighting all week politically. And then we see the Robert Mugabe thing and we say, hey, bro, let's shake hands on this. We'll come back. I still don't like you. But look, hey, there's Robert and he's talking badly about Kenyans. You want to actually go and take him out? And more importantly, what they did was the hashtag Kenyans versus Zimbabweans started to trend. And I'm not joking. Any Zimbabwean they could find. Any You're just chilling in Harare, doing (laughs) your thing. And you start to get mention after mention after mention and it's people abusing you, saying things about your country, your president, your roads, your women, your police, your economy, everything you can imagine. And this script has been done before. And and so this abuse, this torrent of abuse happens on this country. And then people a couple of people start to ask, wait, guys, is that did he really say that? Um, where's the site from? Let's do a who is search on who Yeah. Is there audio is there? I mean, how did the spectator Local site get access to info is this information why is it not anywhere else right so just a couple of basic questions and soon people are like this is fake but that's the one percent while the ninety nine is just attacking and basically is talking ill of Zimbabweans now out of all of that a gentleman who is the the Africa bureau chief I think de facto or East Africa bureau chief for for the New York Times Jeffrey Gettleman he puts in his article in the New York Times print and online in an article called. Um, yeah, they the think it was like Kenyans struggling with corruption, and then in, qu- in quotes, "If you're going to steal, please steal a little." And in there, he quotes this, this, this actual piece, and so it makes the New York Times of all places. And he didn't even check his background and anything like that, right? So here you have social media and and tech and media all converging and at the heart of it just some real big questions asked not of just jeffrey but just us as a society right so if Kenyans on Twitter are descending upon someone if they are uh, infringing upon the privacy of somebody or they are um doing the you know the virtual equivalent of plundering and looting and and being rowdy well, who's you know well where do you actually look to for a solution or to, to tell people hey guys i'm um, I, do, I don't mean to break up the party, but this is a fake story, you know. So here's a site that gets crashed by the traffic, commoditizes that, makes a bunch of money off of advertising, right? And here we are sitting a week later talking about it even further. Now he issued a correction in the case of the New York Times story, but it's too late, right? You know, the pr- the printer, the print story went out in the New York Times again, of all places. I was even surprised by that because there was probably no fact checking to it. People like your grandmother, whose feature phones access only WhatsApp. <laughs> And nothing
0: else will not get the correction, that's for sure.
2: Right, and, and you know, the conversation is gonna keep going on. And the thing with WhatsApp for me is, and I've been explaining this and we'll talk a lot about it in, uh, in next year's report, is when I look at the top five most visited websites in the world, pick SimilarWeb, pick Alexa, pick whoever you want, those sites, the digital passport to them is an email address. Now, if you look at their acquisitions, a number of their acquisitions have all been platforms where the passport, is a mobile phone number, especially for the emerging markets, right? So this is why I think it's 29% of all internet traffic, if I'm not mistaken, on Econet in Zimbabwe is exclusively WhatsApp. It's a reason why I think the most popular plan in India right now is a dollar, all you can eat WhatsApp plan as well, right? You know, that as a platform, is I mean the potential is tremendous and I you know I was trying to bring some of that thinking and some of that conversation here so what I mentioned was because we're in South Africa I mentioned Cliff Central I said hey yeah. you know for for us one of the things that you know we're sitting in Nairobi we're looking at the whole continent and I've ne- and, and there's people trying to solve what is a three-way problem and I feel like I don't you know you guys will tell me how current this is whether it's still in place but you have Gareth Cliff who broadcasts online radio on cliffcentral.com and then you have WeChat, who's coming as a social media partner. Now, in their attempt to compete with WhatsApp, they're coming in saying, hey, we're going to sort you on social. And sure enough, you look at the numbers, 110,000 um, uh, fans on, on WeChat. Uh, you have 46,000 on Twitter. You have, uh, have 44,000 on Twitter, 56,000 on Facebook. So he's double any other social network, right? And then on top of that, you look at MTN, and MTN come in and say, hey, People vote not just with their attention and their time to listen, they vote with their bundles. 96% of Africa's prepaid, so we're gonna zero rate you. So now you have the social media element, you have the telco zero rating it, and now you have the content. And that's a trifecta I've never seen anywhere else. I talked about it in a chapter that I wrote for a book that just came out on China and Africa and, and, and I use a bunch of other examples. But interestingly, that to me is, is, is one of the best examples. You've solved it three different ways. Now look, China's at the table. MTN, who we've just been speaking about, is at the table. But so is the content creator who's now learning. Can podcasts sell? Can I sit in front of a brand and basically charge three times what a radio station is going to charge because I have such deep audience data and analytics better than the broadcasters, right? More measurable, less equipment, and, I, and I'm engaging them twice as much as, any, as the nearest um, traditional outfit. So, I mean, to me, that's what brought me here. So, I, 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 a couple uh, weeks ago, I was with some of the same people at the largest gathering of, um, of public broadcasters. You know, all due respect, this crowd is not one that's easily moved. Because they're like, hey, we're the public broadcaster. We're not going anywhere. Government funds us. We could lose money year on year and year. And I'm not saying that, that all of them are like this. But there are some. Uh, but we're, and we're around, Right. And I was just trying to rile them up to like just tell them, you know, you've got to adapt to this age. And some of them, I won't lie, they were obstinate. Like aside, they're like great presentation, young young man. You've got a lot of energy. Not going to happen for all these reasons. I'm like, you just don't sit because it's a leadership question, right, around technology. So with here, I felt a much better atmosphere, a much more conducive place for for interaction. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited to be, of course, in in, in Johannesburg too. So I'm spending. Um, a couple extra days just to connect with folks and take some meetings too. And part of the reason why I've given
0: uh, Mark a lot of time on the mic is because you can look forward to a much longer discussion, uh, and conversation I'll be having with Rebecca. So you know a few ladies out there going, we haven't had a lady on the
1: show for so long.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, So don't you worry, you're going to be getting a lot more of Rebecca. Watch this space, we'll be letting you know how. I see, uh, do you want to say something
1: yeah just I want to take Mark back to the Cliff Central issue spe- specifically on the zero rating. Do you think for content creators that's a sustainable model because definitely that the cream rises to the top if I can put it that way and only the pl- sort of popular or well connected content creators will get zero rated. So is that a sustainable model?
2: Certainly not. I mean I haven't even touched on how problematic it is around net neutrality. So I yeah. so if you want to look at the not the cons. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a hopeless optimist, but I am. But you know, but i but I also, I also try and check myself too. So I think there are. It's, it's a bit problematic. But it's the wild west out here, man. Look, if you're, if you're gonna bring three people who would just wouldn't see eye to eye, and each one of them feels like they're getting something out of the deal, I'm like, go for it. Just so I can see, and we can learn what it looks like. So I would love to see. Okay, look, you have internet.org, right? That's also problematic for net neutrality issues. But at the same time. I mean I, I, I discussed this in a in a podcast audio interview about a year a year ago in um year and a half ago in. Yeah. There is but there is no other podcast there. Rebecca Whispers right on the side and I'm
0: gonna give you a high five for that, my sister. Yeah, what did you just say?
3: I said there is no other podcast than this one.
0: Holler back, Holler back. S- consider yourself corrected, sir.
2: Consider. So you were speaking someplace. Uh, drops uh, pulls mic and drops it in, and walks away. Um, so 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 what I was saying is that how do we create a? Ah, this is a wild idea. So people uh, might give me a hard time about it. How do we create kind of a an informal tax? For some of these large corporations that are benefiting from Africans coming online, right? Like, how do we make them in some way give back, quote unquote, by force? Now, look, let's make no mistakes about Facebook's internet.org. That is not philanthropy, that is very clear capitalism uh, and a real focus on, on them getting people's attention and mind share and having them essentially get familiar. Right?
0: And this is after they've uh, had many world leaders declare the internet a, right, uh, a human right. How clever oh yeah, that right. this comes <laughs> soon <laughs> after that.
3: Yeah, right. You, you, do you know, I mean, I th- it's <laughs> um, you know, it's, he was talking about his grandmother earlier. Trying to explain a concept like that to any of the people even here is like ta- trying to explain it to his grandmother. Like, they know that it's there, and they know that they have to change. But they have no clue what they're talking about. They have no clue what you're talking about. Yep. Um, and so I think it's important. These types of events are important to kind of try to translate between the very geeks and what's available and these M- meet with these other people <laughs> that that need, that are reliant about on the technology but don't know how to use it yet. And I think some of the examples that he's given, uh, that Mark has given today, are really proof that um, there is innovation, not just in content, not just in the tech itself, but in the business model.
0: And you know what? Uh, In case you're wondering if there are content providers or content creators who might be in touch with some of the things you just mentioned, you might just need to check out a certain iAfrican.com. You might need to just look in on an uh, African Tech Roundup because we realize that we can't do it the way perhaps we've seen other people do it, even though they're getting great traction at the moment.
2: Yeah, I I think genuinely... Just say yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know, I'm sorry. I, that was so self that was so self congratulatory. I'm embarrassed even for myself.
3: You should never be embarrassed about what you're being what you're able to accomplish. And you can never be embarrassed about your success. Thank
0: you so much. You guys, it's been incredible. It's been incredible.
3: Doria. De rien.
1: De rien. Merci Doria. Oh, merci. Doria, Doria. For nothing. Merci me. Uh,
3: you're you're welcome. Oh merci thank merci. you. And then Doria means um that's fine. That's uh, for nothing. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, again, um, it's been such an honor to have uh, your more than one guest on the show, more than two even, uh, throughout the course. Of more th- no, we had three. We had three. Come on, this techie can't count Okay, so we had three <laughs> We had three But listen, before we say goodbye, of course uh, We need to remind you that um, and, and before we say goodbye to our, our folks here in studio It's time for me to remind you that this week's African Tech Roundup Is brought to you by the inaugural annual Tech Roundup Happening in Johannesburg on the morning of Thursday, November 26th Now, join Defo and I, along with many other leading personalities From Africa's tech scene for a laid-back breakfast event At the Wanderers Club conference venue from 8.30 a.m. to 12 noon. The event will feature keynote speakers, interactive panel discussions that will look back on the year's digital tech and innovation highlights in terms of startups, enterprise, gadgets, and apps. Now, you do not want to miss this. It's basically a gig not to miss. Seats are extremely limited, so book yours right now at africantechroundup.com forward slash annual. That's africantechroundup.com Slash annual. And we look forward to seeing you there. Unfortunately, we're not going to have these amazing guests here with us. They have a globe to trot. And uh, again, we must thank you.
3: We'll be following on Twitter.
0: Yes, you will. Thank you so much, man. And look, a big thank you to them again. Again, Rebecca Enon Chong, tech entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Appstech and iOS. I.O. Spaces, and of course, Mark Kaegua, founder and CEO of Mendo. Thank you so much for being here, you guys.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: Man, thank you for having us. We actually, uh, Rebecca and I were, were talking, it's like, are we going to do two separate uh, ones? I'm so oh, I'm so happy we got to do it together and, you know, we love you guys to all the listeners. We're, we're, we're so glad we've kind of moved from listeners to Participants, so uh so bless you guys, and we love we love we love everything. I African, shout out to I African as well, uh, and shout out to African Tech Roundup. And yeah, can't wait to host you guys in Nairobi. It's gonna happen. Something. It's gonna happen. Next year, year we there. We're coming, boy. And uh, listen, thank
0: you to you, our listeners, for hanging out. It's been longer than usual, but I'm sure every minute's been a, a treat for you as much as it has been for us. Till next time, it's goodbye for me and Dile Masugu, and of
1: course, they For It is what it is, man. Cheers.